0: everything's bigger in Texas, including climate change. That's why Houston is leading the energy transition. Here in H-Town, the fourth largest city in the United States, entrepreneurs from across Texas and around the world are gathering to work with titans of industry to build the technology that will reduce emissions and power a low carbon future.
1: We sit down with those change makers and wildcatters who are solving the toughest energy challenges. With trillions of dollars on the line, we dig into how Houston will bring technology to market on a massive scale. Join us as we talk with the leaders of the energy capital of the world as they show us how the energy transition gets done.
0: I'm Lara Cottingham, and this is the Energy Technology Podcast.
1: And I'm Jason Etier. Let's jump in. Hey, this is Jason. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Ian Bishop. Ian has been uh, working for 14 years on a technology company called Elemental Recycling, and we're very excited because Elemental Recycling has developed a single-step process to recycle all plastic. And I'm saying all plastic. And tires into hydrogen and uh, graphite or graphene. This process is patented uh, for electronics and uh, greenhouse gases as well. So, uh, Ian, tell us a little bit more about how you got into this 14 years ago.
2: So, my partner and I, Ron, went down to Bay City, Texas to do a reclamation of a facility down there. And these guys were trying to recycle hazardous waste using molten iron at 400 degrees. And the only way they could get a reaction was adding oxygen. And if you add oxygen to hazardous waste at temperature, you create dioxins, which 10,000 times worse than hazardous waste, something like that. Ron and I got back in the car. And Ron, the technical guy, I'm the finance guy, looked at the periodic table and said, there's got to be a better way. Ron called a professor at U of H who he, because that's where he got his degree. And the professor at U of H, a chemical PhD said, no, it won't work. When a chemical PhD tells you something won't work, you go on to your next thing. (laughs) That's what we thought we were doing. Two weeks later, he called us back and said, come on down. He whiteboarded the entire chemical equation over a couple hours. He goes, yes, what you guys want to do will work. I don't know if you can make any money at it, but it will work. And that's what started it all. Mm -hmm. And that was with greenhouse gases. So we're patented. We have eight patents, actually, Mm -hmm. Jason. Mm -hmm. Um, Greenhouse gases, VOCs, particulate matter, coal gasification, plastics, tires, chemical weapons, propellants, munitions, electronics, essentially all organics. We can break it down. It yeah. doesn't matter. And, and,
1: and what I'm hearing is uh, 14 years is, is the incubation time for every overnight success, but there's a real passion here that, that really drove you and, and kept you coming back. Tell us about wh- where that drive comes from.
2: Um, I've been an entrepreneur all my life, mm-hmm. right? Um, so is Ron. So we have uh, the very first thing, very first project that Ron and I actually worked on together was a margarita machine. <laughs> and V1 of the Margarita machine would make three gallons of margaritas in four minutes. V2 was two minutes. V3 was minute and a half. V4 was portable. This was back in 2000 2002 something Mm -hmm. like that we just couldn't get it manufactured cheap enough so that started that kicked off the whole thing with ron and i and we started working on things like this and he always has been an entrepreneur i've always been an entrepreneur this is my fourth owner operator company so it wasn't new to me Mm -hmm. um and i've always been hands-on so um i'm I'm president, CFO, and chief forklift driver for Elemental. <laughs> um, Ron is the chief technical officer, but he is also the one that puts on the spacesuit because we're using molten metal, so we don't get burnt. So, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things we just we love tinkering, and I yeah, we just love. Figuring things out. And we've done a lot of it. And uh, this is, we always thought this was a good idea. We always thought this was a good idea. And
0: and all good ideas start with margaritas, right? <laughs> so- I, I've never heard of a bad one. <laughs> um, not an engineer, but I love what you're talking about because I have looked at all of our waste streams and there aren't a lot of good ways to deal with them that don't have... Uh, negative impacts for communities or for the environment. So tell me, walk me through a little bit more how it works from a nuts and bolts perspective and what's your ideal application, right? Who would be your customer? Where would your technology be deployed?
2: The second question is very difficult. And the reason for that is there are so many silos where this can be deployed. First question is... Um, I can take, you know, we've been, we visited with waste management and we visited with FCC who handles the recycling component for the city of Houston. So what we're looking at doing is taking all the waste that comes off the back end of a Murph that is destined for the landfill. Explain okay.
0: what a Murph is. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh,
2: m- Municipal recovery facility Good. or recycling facility, something like that. It's where all the waste goes and gets separated. Mm -hmm. Waste management only separates to a certain extent. So they still have approximately, I think, I want to say 20, 25 percent, don't quote me on that, of contamination in there. FCC is down to less than 5 percent. I can handle the contamination, whether it be a soap bottle, an oil bottle, or a paint can. Our process can handle that, but what it will do is it will either create excess heat because it's an exothermic reaction, or it consumes some of the metal. And if it consumes the metal, I have to take that off the bath, which I can do, and then I can sell that because we have found that we do not produce any waste stream. From everything we have processed, we don't produce a waste stream, which... We haven't found anybody else out there recycling can say that. And when I say a waste stream, so we produce some salts that sell for 10 to 15 cents a pound. There's a market out there. Am I going to try and separate out that 20 pounds a day? Probably not, but the metal that comes off with that it, it's, a, uh, it's a salt that it all gets recycled. Um, I mean, at the end, of it, I'll, I'll tell you the metal we use. We use aluminum. Mm. So if nylon goes through, which people have trouble recycling nylon, it has an oxygen molecule. Well, that creates alumina. Well, alumi- we scrape the alumina off and sell it back to the aluminum producers for... Money and that is way down the value chain for them because they only have to then use twenty percent of the energy to recycle that alumina back to aluminum, yeah. and it's the same with uh, if we take PVC or fluorines or iodine, um, that can all get recycled. So no one. Else.
1: So so one question. So aluminum. I have not looked at material sciences in, in over a decade. Is aluminum a, uh, alumina is a salt? Yes. Oh, okay. And so that is the aluminum reacts with the oxygen. It gets bound. It is still a waste stream, but it has that valuable aluminum molecule in there and people already have processes to extract it. And, and I would assume, I believe most aluminum when it's coming out of the ground anyways, is already bound. You never get a pure, no. No. pure <laughs> ingot as it were. And so this is a known process and, and you're able to give them a very, a, a relatively pure sample of this alumina that they already know how to work
2: with. So, and Mm. if we get high purity alumina, it actually sells into the uh, electronics market at around seven bucks a pound, Mm -hmm. but it's got to be ultra pure. We're not looking at that because we're going to, we create hydrogen and graphene. Uh, That's our market. Mm. That's our market. And, And why those two markets? Um, Because if you look at plastic, uh, a plastic plastic water bottle is 83% carbon and 17% hydrogen. So our production machine is designed for 50,000 pounds of feedstock a day. So in general, I would get 40,000 pounds of graphene a day, which that has a market value of anywhere from 25 to 400 bucks a pound from a waste stream that is destined for the landfill. Hmm.
0: So waste is not sexy, right? When we think about climate change, people talk about um, renewable energy, right? We love clean energy. Uh, People in Houston are very excited to talk about hydrogen, which we can get into. But when we think about trash, right, people care about it being picked up on time more than anything else. Um, but it is also a resource, right? Every, everyone generates trash. Every city has a landfill. Cities have a MRF that more people need to know about. You should go visit your local (laughs) MRF if you haven't. It is a really interesting yet somewhat smelly experience, Um, but very cool because you see the enormity of our waste impact. And one of the things that I was always looking at at the city of Houston and it's very hard to do is how can you monetize that? Right? That, that that is a resource that every city has, you if we could find a way to sell it or at least get someone to take it off your hands and turn it into something else rather than landfill because that is just a cost. that's a cost that's going to exponentially skyrocket. Um, I think the city of Houston's landfills are supposed to reach capacity in the next like 20 years or sooner and it's probably yeah. much closer to sooner. yeah because during the pandemic we had this explosion mm. of single use everything. Um so I'm I'm really excited that you're thinking about this. Is it something where you said you're looking at FCC and waste management. So they are residential and commercial. Would you partner with cities? Would it be with um a corporation like what what kind of I'm trying to think about like where would it go in a community? Who would be would that be with a waste management or would it be a separate entity?
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> so so who, who would be the value stream partner?
2: In the- so at the end of the day, you know, waste management is taking that material to one of their own landfills. Um, they don't care in Texas. Um, you know, they care on the East Coast, they care on the West Coast where they are um, – bound by more regulation and do not have as much square square miles area to landfill at all in texas it's just not that big of a deal um fcc has to put it into a private landfill so they're going to have to pay for it so their value for them the value would be instead of paying uh, you know $300 $300 a load for it to go into a landfill. They can pay me hundred bucks a load and I'll take it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've just saved them 200 bucks a load or I take it for free. Um, something like that. So that's the value proposition for that supplier for me. Um, the other thing is that we're reducing, we're, we are taking something that other people are Recycling And there's a lot of people out there recycling plastics, but the numbers are down to 6% now, approximately. Mm-hmm. And that's only one in two plastics, not the rest. So the other value proposition is they're turning it into, it's called uh, PIO, um, post-industrial oil, mm-hmm. um, which if a gallon of oil... Weighs eight pounds, that's going to sell for two to three dollars. Eight pounds of plastics, if you go back to the the 80-20, that's six and a half pounds to me. Well, if I sell it, if I just sell it for graphite, that's $18. So I put a much higher value on it. And that doesn't even include the hydrogen. Hmm. Where here in Houston, Hydrogen doesn't sell for much, but on the coast, it sells for a lot. In Europe and Japan, it sells for the equivalent of $7 a pound. And one of our units would produce approximately 10,000 pounds a day. So, you know, the value for the waste companies is it's not going to their landfill. It's not going to fill up as quickly. The value to us is, holy cow, the end market hydrogen. And it, someone has already said, uh, they've, you know, lots of colors are out there. Green hydrogen, gray hydrogen, teal hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Ours is green because our whole process is CO2E neutral, mm. which we haven't found anybody else out there that can say they're CO2E neutral. Cause we're, we use all only electricity, no natural gas, And we buy renewable energy. So
0: So one of the most important things when you talk about climate and resilience is solving for multiple problems at once. And that is exactly what you just said, right? So you're not only talking about waste and like the circular economy cycle, um, but you have now moved into renewable energy and hydrogen, right? So like that's a triple Scrabble word score right there. Good job. Um, I want to – you also mentioned – tires mm-hmm. and you mentioned electronics, right? Yep. Have you thought about like going to car companies, going to computer manufacturers because they're responsible for the life cycle of their products. And something else we always said was like, "Hey, why should the community be responsible for the waste when it is created by someone else?" Like, yeah, we drink Bottle of water. The bottle, yeah, there's yeah. a Coke can. I was going <laughs> right. to call it yeah. Coca-Cola, yeah. who was right. doing a lot of research into this, right? Am I responsible because I drink it or are they responsible because they created it, right? Yep. And, and thinking about it in that way because it is – um, the the total life cycle of products is complicated and sometimes we don't put it on the right – or on the, the person in that cycle who, ha- who could most easily – address the problem.
2: So that is changing in this country. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the letters stand for, but it's EPR. um, And it is the California, maybe New York, maybe Mm -hmm. Maine. They are now laws on the books that the producer of the product is now responsible for that being recycled. To them, my understanding is it's just going to be a cash transaction. They're going to pay something. But so we have been in touch with Microsoft. Mm. Um, We're trying to get in touch with Apple. Anyone out there know Apple? We'd love to talk to them. Um, We've been in touch with carpet manufacturers. Mm. They have to because it's very difficult to recycle carpet. Mm. Think of your carpet because your carpet is made out of petroleum products well, they need to take that apart and then do different things to it. Yeah, I just need it chopped up into dime-sized pieces to feed into my process. And I'll get my carbon, I'll get my hydrogen, and off the road, down the road I go. So we've been talking to them because there's no good solution for it. Um, So I, I joke, and Ron gets upset with me when I joke about it, but We've got a process that can save the world because I can put any organic into it and I'm going to get the elements back out.
0: Okay. Another amazing thing that you just said here, he said he wants to save the world. <laughs> Nine times out of 10 entrepreneurs and mm, people want to change the world, right? They talk about I want to change the world, which is great. Changing the world doesn't necessarily mean for the better, right? So saving the world is so important when we talk about this. And it sounds a little fluffy and everything, but when we're talking about climate change, like there are very real, there are very personal implications. So I so appreciate that you said that.
2: Well- It's very unusual. So something that we've looked at that, so as I mentioned earlier, Ron and I are tinkerers. Mm -hmm. We were doing, until we did the friends and family raise, just over three years ago, Ron and I did all this stuff in our driveways, which did not make our wives happy, but we got a lot of results. And what we found there is we were- You're <laughs>
0: melting down plastics in your driveway?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're, de- <laughs> <laughs> we're deconstructing them. Uh, they, don't, uh. they don't melt. Okay. They don't melt. They su- actually sublime, which means mm-hmm. they go from a solid to a gas instead of going through Mm. a liquid phase. Mm -hmm. So, but while we were doing that, we found out that we produced methane, ethane, propylene, and ethylene. Well, methane and ethane, and these are at lower temperatures instead of going all the way to hydrogen and carbon. We found out about that, and if you look at the problems of India, and I don't know if this number is correct, but what I've read is... 300 million people in India still cook with charcoal, right? So think about cooking, using your grill with charcoal. It takes 20 minutes to heat up, right, before you can even throw something on. So India has a huge plastics problem. So what if we were to go there, recycle their plastics, turn the temperature down, and give them canisters essentially a propane of what you guys buy here to cook with mm-hmm. instantaneous heat. And now I've cut their air pollution problem from 300 million people by two thirds. Yeah. Now, am I going to do that? No, I'm too old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there's a solution to a huge problem. Mm-hmm.
1: So. And, and if I recall, you guys did raise capital recently Tell us about why now is the time to be excited about the business and what's, what's getting you traction.
2: So, yeah, we closed on our Series A uh, two months ago, maybe two and a half months ago. And that gave us the ability to issue the purchase order to build our first production machine. And that gets us excited because, one... And I I have this discussion all the time. Am I a recycling company or am am I an advanced materials company? Um, Recycling companies don't make a lot of money. Advanced material company can. So if I can do both things, hey, all the better. And what gets us excited about being an advanced materials company is we've talked with Boeing we've talked with Hyundai, we've talked with Ford, because they all put graphene into their vehicles. Side note, um, uh, Shelby is building a uh, Cobra Mustang, and the body of it, instead of aluminum, is going to be made out of graphene and carbon fiber. It will weigh 82 pounds, and graphene is 200 times stronger than steel, so if you think about that, if I can reduce the weight of a car by thirty or forty percent, I need I now need a smaller engine to still get the same amount of towing capacity or speed or whatever the case may be. So you look at it that way. Or uh, one of our um, PhD consultants came up with what's called a master batch paint. Um, And they had put it on um, some fishing trawlers in Nova Scotia or Newfoundland. It increased their efficiency through the water by 20% and it decreased the amount of growth on the hull. So now they don't have to clean the hulls as often and they can go further on a gallon of gas. Mm. Uh, Holy cow. I, I mean, I've solved the recycling problem, a plastics recycling problem. And now I'm making things more efficient. Okay. Oh yeah, and I can make a buck. Check all the boxes, baby.
0: <laughs> right, save
2: the world and get paid
0: so while doing that. Right. right. <laughs> so you're making car, recycled cars. Would those cars then be recyclable? If you had a if it was made out of graphene, would would you then be able to take it back?
2: So, Right now, we're looking at that question in regards to windmill blades. Yes. We think so. But we, there are so many paths to go down. Um, we're talking with DARPA and defense contractors about recycling munitions, propellants, and chemical weapons. Right now, they're just treated and landfilled. Well, their makeup, their elemental makeup is hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and maybe something else. Okay, so I get graphene, nitrogen, which is, what, 76% of air. I get some alumina, and I get some hydrogen. Holy cow, I've just monetized something Mm -hmm. that was thrown into a landfill again. Mm -hmm. So... Can we do other things? Yeah, but I've got a silo for munitions propellants. We modeled that if we were to get 200,000 crushed cell phones a day, we would recover 2 million pounds of rare earth elements a year. That's one machine the size of a suburban. Okay, now I don't have to worry about China and rare earth mm-hmm. elements. Mm-hmm. So uh, you
0: literally are saving the world. You're saving all of our challenges all at once. And wow. I understand now why you said the answer to my question earlier was very hard because you, you have too many applications that are possible, right? I've uh, got
2: so many things and, I can do.
1: And, and this is, I think this is a classic challenge for, for someone who's really develop, developed a new technology that feels like a platform because the, the unfortunate thing is we have venture capitalists in this world who want to make the most money back and they're, they're going to come back and say, okay, show us the one with the least cost of, of new customer acquisition that generates the biggest cash flow. And sorry, Ian, you can't save everything. So you got to put all the money into, is it, if it's generating hydrogen or generating graphene, all, the, all those other things will have to wait. And, and that's just kind of the, the place we have to live as entrepreneurs, unfortunately.
2: Not in my case. Mm, okay, tell me more. <laughs> so we have been talking to a number of Asian companies Mm -hmm. that do not have the land resources we do to be able to dispose of their waste. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to one about PVDF and PVDC plastics. That's polyvinyl something chloride and polyvinyl something fluoride. Well, I, I can handle PVCs and PVDFs. No one else can because if you got a chlorine or a fluorine release, people die. And they're interested in it because they have this waste stream that they have to get rid of. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're kind of interested in the offtake, but they're really interested in the disposal Mm -hmm. of it. And so we're trying to figure this out on a licensing basis for them, that how do we do this that They're not that interested in the graphene or the hydrogen. They want their waste taken care of. Okay, now we're trying to figure that out. So that's a silo that will become what we think will be a licensing silo. Um, And we'll license it to them. But holy cow, if they're producing X pounds or tons of graphene a day, and that sells for 25 or 50 bucks... Holy cow. (laughs) You know, how how do you model that? Yeah. So we we think we have it. And like I said, munitions, propellants, I'm talking to defense contractors. Mm -hmm. So that would be another silo that they can take the technology on a licensing basis or a joint venture basis and go do it. Mm -hmm. And Ron and I don't have to worry about, blowing something up. We already have to worry about that <laughs> with the hydrogen. But, but we've kind of mitigated that. <laughs> we've got big fans. Um, hey, or the as long as you're work. not in your
0: driveway anymore.
2: Yeah. We're not in our driveway anymore. We're not in our driveway anymore. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's how we're looking at it, that licensing models or joint venture models, or partnership models to do these other silos. So a number of things can be happening in parallel.
1: I kind of want to talk about Houston. Um, you're obviously you've been here in Houston, uh, and I hear you you, uh, you live inside the Loop, right? No, just outside. Oh, just outside. Just the Loop. outside. Sorry, we're that. not going to tell his neighbors. We're not. Where, gonna, right. yeah. <laughs> where the, where the <laughs> plastic gets decomposed. Yes. But um, t- tell us um, what you're most proud of in the in the Houston ecosystem, innovation ecosystem.
2: Houston is so. I've lived in. A number of different cities. I actually started a company in London, mm. uh, a finance boutique in London back in the mid 80s. And I have never been in a city that is so entrepreneurial as Houston. And even though we have as many Fortune 500s as anybody, or more so than anybody. The entrepreneurial spirit here in this town is just nuts. And being in Texas, it makes it really easy to form a business. I tried to explain this to someone the other day that at noon on any given weekday, I can start a business and have an EIN before four o'clock. You can't do that in most states in this country, but you can here in Texas. And then in Houston everybody's willing to help you go along. Um, And if they don't know who, if they can't help you, they will try and figure out who they know that will be able to help you. And and it's been that way. I moved here in 1990 from London expecting to go to Hong Kong. I I did my master's here, and I've been here ever since. I love this town, except for August and September. Um, (laughs) a Little warm. But this town is just phenomenal for small business, just phenomenal, and that's what I found. And uh, I got my four minutes of fame at the Rice Energy and Technology Venture Forum a couple of weeks ago. And if anyone was there listening to the forty, I think it was forty pitches, you know we're in good hands. I mean, you know, this whole screaming from the mountaintop about. Climate. Yeah, we got it. We got we got this.
0: We do have this. And so you worked with UT. uh, You worked with U of H, right? We Um, were. Chemistry, PhD back in your early days. You're part of rice. So like we have we have support from institutions all across the city. And I hadn't thought about this before the way you said it. It's not that we don't have. Entrepreneurs is that we just have a lot of really large companies also that kind of overshadow what's going on here.
2: Very much so. Very much so. And, you know, we have a lot of large international banks here and they're all hunting the elephants with the large corporates. But if you can get into one and you're looking to get into a foreign market, they can help you a lot. Um, And that's what I learned my time in London and I brought it here but the local bankers yeah but, but we've got a lot of good small banks mm-hmm. that are technically able to help you and it's just it's nuts as far as that goes it's good stuff
0: we also have a lot of trash so i feel like this is a good place for you to be in general um that like waste issues are so personal in the city of Houston, like illegal dumping is one of the number one things that people complain about, and it has to go back to um, just the nature of our waste pickup. And that um, it some places it's just harder than others, and there's a fee, and so people are finding, you know, alternative mechanisms that are not good. They're going to communities that do not need that. The city doesn't have enough resources, and so in terms of the places where technology like this could have an immediate impact. Yes, I don't mean to add another one to your list, which is very long, mm. but um, I like to think about climate tech in terms of how do you get it to the places and the people that need it most, not just what will make VCs the most money. You can find mm. that connection of both. That would be amazing. But
2: So as far as that goes, because the unit's the size of a suburban, mm. can be tr- it's transportable. It's going to be uh, manufactured in upstate New York. They're going to drop it on a trailer, bring it down here. And it's supposed to be plug and play. So instead of hauling trash, which doesn't have a very high density, we would go to the locale. So we've talked with, San Diego reached out to us. Phoenix has reached out to us. Um, As more and more places find out about us, because we were black box for a number Mm. of years. um, As more and more places find out about us, they're reaching out to us. And they want us to come there. So you don't have to transport the trash. But if you transport the graphene, which has the high value, um, transporting hydrogen is not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think hydrogen will be directed energy. It'll have to be local, produced local and used local um, or in long haul trucking. That's my personal opinion. So um,
1: I want to give you a little bit of a hard time, and I, I heard you say you're making these in New York, and and I'm thinking, okay, what would what would you need to make it uh, here in, in in the Houston area or in Texas? Is there is there something special about New York where you had to go there to get the, get the right resources?
2: The firm that's making it is based out of mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. They have proprietary technology mm-hmm. that they're putting into the box for us. Okay, so I. Yeah. I you know, they reached out to a couple people here in Houston to manufacture some of it for them. Lead time was just too long, um, but it's it's their proprietary technology, mm-hmm. and I mean they're a seven hundred million dollar a year company. They're global. Um, it just so happens. I mean, they're New York. They're Ohio. There are a number of places around the country. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so. one of the benefits of the IRA is. Incentives for domestic manufacturing and incentives if you're in an energy community, which all of Texas is an energy community. (laughs) So maybe check back in. Maybe their um, outlook has changed. Or maybe there's
1: someone in the audience who can help us get it made here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Make life easier. Make life easier. Yep. Yep. It's not easy to get to upstate New York. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so one of the things that I like to talk about is um, we have a few hidden gems here in Houston. Um, I think you mentioned like the Rice um, Energy Technology uh, Venture Conference. Um, Brad Burke has been running that program for, for a number of years. It is a very tight show, like great oh. investors, great investor networking um, and great pitches. Uh, are there other like hidden gems in Houston that, that you think only happen here that other people should know
2: about? well you know the rice management they're they're building the ion mm-hmm. district mm-hmm. and the groups down there what is it uh, ion i've been there uh, greentown i've been mm-hmm. there um those are great in the in the in the eco structure here in town um i can't say enough good about both of those i've, mm-hmm. I've been to both been to presentations in both and they're doing a knockout job. Um, and I, th- I made a comment to somebody um, the other day that I think those two groups need to get in touch with the University of Houston Small Business Development Center because new entrepreneurs don't know what they don't know. And they don't know how to write a business plan and they pull it offline and it's like, yeah, really? No, no. <laughs> Um, whereas the University of Houston Small Business Development Center can work with these new startups at these places, and holy cow, now you get that snowball rolling. Again, personal opinion. I've used the UH before, mm-hmm. and it's all free. Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: I think that is so important. An entire discussion could be had just around in we when we think about Houston's climate tech and energy transition economy and our ecosystem, starting new companies. We are leaning on folks like you who have incredible knowledge and expertise. When we think about the next generation, when we think about the folks who are in school right now or are going to come, like what training are they going to get? How do we give them as many tools as fast as possible so that they can start right out of school, right? Yep. And a lot of, there are so many great programs how do you overlay the program so you get a incredible entrepreneur and energy toolkit? Because it's oftentimes one or the other, right? That you often study one or you go through an entrepreneurship program that doesn't really get you ready for creating an energy company Mm -hmm. because that is very different than creating an app. Or when you think Mm -hmm. about, you know, every city wants to be the Silicon something, Silicon Bayou, Silicon Mm Hills, Silicon Delta. what we're talking about, when you think about energy tech, is, is quite specialized, much more intensive. And so I love the idea of how the schools in and around Houston can kind of double down and think about customizing and creating a special curriculum to, to supercharge the pipeline of companies that are coming out.
2: So Texas a and has started, because we also use Texas a and mm-hmm. as one of our research partners too. Um, Texas A&M has a process that they have a mentor program for their students, whether it be undergraduate or graduate, to help them do that. U of H needs to do that. I don't know if Rice does that. And A&M sends me an email probably three times a month reaching out, oh, we need a mentor here, we need a mentor here. And I'm a longhorn. And... UT doesn't do that. Now, they might start because I met a professor yesterday from UT and I said, look, I'd be happy to come up to talk to your graduate school class about how this stuff works because they they think they know how it works. They read it on the internet. Oh, look, Mm. this is how it works. And especially if you're in hard tech, if you're building an industrial company, holy cow, it is hard. Mm. It is hard because it's not shiny. And as you said, Lauren, VCs like shiny. <laughs> they like shiny. Um, and, you know, our process occurs at between 600 and thousand degrees Celsius. That's hot. That's hot. And for people to wrap their arms around hard tech is not easy. And for the energy capital of the world. We've got people who understand that, and we need to impart that knowledge on the next group coming up. How do we do that? Well, you go up and stand in front of a classroom of these people, whether it be undergraduate or graduate students, and say, okay, this is the reality of it all. This is how it's going to work. And if you have questions, go ahead and call me. Um, So, I I mean, that's what has to happen for this to work, that we need more. We need a better channel for mentors to access mentees. Mm -hmm. Texas A&M has that channel. I haven't seen it from U of H. I haven't seen it from UT. I, I haven't seen it from Rice. Uh, I don't know if they're out there.
0: I will say this. Don't discount. It might be there. The issue with these schools also is that they're so freaking huge. <laughs> so Rice is is manageable. Rice is tiny compared to UT and compared to AM. and m So uh, there could be a program, and you're just not on their list because it's one of the 12 energy programs that they have, right? And one yep. of the yep. 30 entrepreneurship programs, uh, I usually I'm wearing Kendra Scott earrings when I say this story, but <laughs> UT, where I went, right, has a Kendra Scott School of Entrepreneurship. Kendra Scott is an amazing entrepreneur and she makes amazing jewelry. Doesn't help you really to make hydrogen, right? Mm. The, the thought process, the uh, product life cycle, the funding, every, everything is.
2: Uh, how, to, how to write a pro forma. Not, mm. yeah. How to write your marketing plan. It doesn't, you know, am I marketing to an individual? Is it B2C or is it B2B? Mm-hmm. B? Okay, I still have to come up with that and do the due diligence on that. Exactly. And- but
0: what I'm also have been thinking about is I say this story and then I'm like, but BC is like shiny. Nothing is more shiny than earrings. Like mm-hmm. how do we combine the two? How, <laughs> how do we bring Kendra Scott into energy and climate tech, right? Like. Can you make jewelry out of like recycled products? Like what what can we do to make the things we talk about um, so interesting know, at that level?
2: So you know they're making organic diamonds, right? Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. make diamonds mm-hmm. and what's the precursor to mm-hmm. diamonds? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's carbon. And so what hey, do I we ma-
0: just added another <laughs> one there to we go. This.
1: <laughs> this is carbon to value um, right
2: here. But you know, until you start getting into the weeds. Of whether it be earrings or hydrogen, the first 25% of what you have to learn about business is common. It's it's the same across. I have to learn about if I'm an engineer and Ron, and I can say this early on, Ron would say things and I would look at him with daggers and say, No, you can't say that. <laughs> and so, you know, you've got to learn about what a PL and a balance sheet is. But now, how do I gear that to an engineer or a marketer or a finance person? So, you have to be able to do all those things, whether it be earrings, diamonds, or hydrogen or graphene. It, I've got to be able to put that together. Um, early on, because like I said, we're hard tech, Ron and I, We would laugh because I bet you we put together 20 different decks, Mm -hmm. 30 different decks, because someone would say, Oh, there's not enough finance information. Oh, there's not enough technical information. Oh, there's not enough market information. Holy cow, what do you want? I'm not putting together a 100 page deck because you got to keep your deck at 20 pages, right? What do you do? Mm -hmm. And that's that 25% of what new entrepreneurs probably don't know. Because being a new entrepreneur, uh, you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I see in your future, once you have mastered elemental recycling, once it is out there saving the world, you're going to be back here in Houston teaching this class to the next generation. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. Like I can see how you're like, going to just like be at U of H, you're going to be at Rice, you're going to be at UT. You're going to take your story on the road. And that's exactly what we need. It is.
2: Um, I've always wanted to teach, but I didn't want to grade tests or homework. I think I've got some knowledge to impart mm-hmm. to people. Uh, I, just, I just don't want to deal with that other <laughs> stuff. And that's why I've offered myself to be, you know, a guest lecturer. Just give me an yep. hour in front yep. of whatever mm-hmm. class. What do you want me to talk about? I can talk about it. Right. So...
0: We've talked about earrings, hydrogen, diamonds, margaritas, everything. Um, is there anything we haven't covered? Is there something that the audience, the people listening, can do for you that you need? Give a call to action.
2: Well, a call to action is um, don't believe everything you read about recycling. Um, that mm-hmm. um, give me into Q1 and then I'll want you to put. All your plastic waste into the bucket, I don't care what mm-hmm. the city says. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day. He goes, "Yeah, I try and scrape the peanut butter out of, <laughs> out of the peanut butter jar. I said, "I don't care, man. I can take it. So you know, most nobody can take that they' it have it'd have to be washed. I don't have to wash it. I'm going to turn it into hydrogen carbon and oxygen okay. um, so. Yeah, give me 5 months. And mm-hmm. um that, 5 months to save the world. You heard it here first. first. Yeah. 5, five months, months to single sa- stream recycling <laughs> in Houston. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Good. And
1: and what should uh people do to learn more about uh you and elemental recycling? Where should they go?
2: Start off by going to our website mm-hmm. elementalrecycling.com. Um we probably don't update that enough. Mm-hmm. And if you're an entrepreneur, you'll understand because You're working on all these other things Um, or follow our LinkedIn page where that's easier to update than a website. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we throw a lot more stuff up on our LinkedIn page and it's just elemental recycling. Um, But and just keep your eyes open for end of Q1. We're coming. We're coming. Cool.
1: All right. Any uh, any last thoughts you want to leave us with? I guess that's it. It's, we're coming. We're <laughs> in coming. In Q1.
2: Yeah. So. And, you know, thank you for having me Good. as a guest. Uh, I appreciate your interest. Um, this
0: is amazing. This is, is exactly what we need. So I wish you the best. And we want to have you back. And we want to hear in five months um, how far we are along in that saving the world.
2: Okay. I'll be back. All right. Thanks. All right.
0: Cool.